I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I've been talking to you about resurrection since this past Sunday was what America calls Easter. Easter is paganism, just like, just like, uh, Christmas. Christmas, Easter, Mardi Gras, Valentine's, St. Valentine's, and Halloween are all the same thing in different cultures in the ancient world. They're the same thing. It's all sun and tree worship. Uh, Constantine brought that into the church in 325 A.D. at the Nicene Council. Now, I could talk about Constantine. I won't. Let me just read this article. This comes out of Hastings' Encyclopedia of Religion. And it's about these pagan holidays that they brought into the church. It's a section on the Abbot of Unreason. That's the same thing that they call the Christ Mass, or they called it the, uh, it was had several names, the Saturnalia, the Feast of Saturn, or the Festival of the Lord of Misrule. What does that mean? Well, from December, December, the 17th through the 24th, that was the Feast of Saturn because December the 21st was the winter solstice, the longest nights of the year. And uh, that's when the sun uh, waned and got to its dimmest. And like here in Middle Tennessee, the sun will come up around 530 uh, in in the middle of summer and set around a quarter to nine at night and that's the longest days of the year that would be june the 21st june 21st i've got an article here it comes out of hastings encyclopedia of religion the policy of the early church was to divert the people from their pagan customs by consecrating them you can't consecrate a heathen custom. The Bible says, Therefore shall you keep my ordinance, that you commit not any one of these abominable customs. In that verse in Leviticus 18.31, he doesn't mention don't worship their gods. He said don't do their customs. They stink to me, God said. And he says, The month of December was dedicated to Saturn. The Saturnalia was originally held on December the 17th. Augustus extended the holiday to three days, December the 17th through 19th. Uh, Marshall speaks of it as lasting five days. Lucian in the second century says it lasted a day and that mimic kings were chosen. The reason they call it the festival of the Lord of Misro, Lord of Misrule as they elected a man to be the king of the feast, Misrule. And what they did is they switched the rich or the well-to-do with the poor. And they put a poor man as head of that and said, okay, we're going to try to give you what you want. So for six days, they would treat that man to everything he wanted and he got to rule over the rich. And at the end of the Feast of Saturn, 
on the seventh day he got everything he wanted all the food he wanted all the women he wanted and then he had to be put to death so if you wanted to be king of the festival order mithril you got everything you wanted for seven days then you died the same thing they had at the mardi gras from the 7th of, Fe- of february until the 14th of february then at the end of that they had a king of the mardi gras and he had to die at the end of mardi gras and sometimes they'd choose a christian and he would refuse and he'd have to be put to death immediately the Cus- kusnay allows that the Mithraic festival or Natalis Invicti, the the unconquerable birth of the sun, since it was had to be reborn again and again and again every year at that time, on December the twenty fifth may have some influence in fixing the date of Christmas and that in in that Western Church, oh, absolutely, and the Western Church was a Roman Catholic Church. He hesitates as to the Saturnalia. Yet the Christianized festivities of the Saturnalia were probably slowly transferred to the Christmas season by the appointment of the Advent fast. A relic of this still lingers on in North Staffordshire, where the farm servants' annual holiday extends from Christmas to New Year. The boy bishop, they called him the eternal boy at Rome. That's why he doesn't, never gets to a cross and he never saves anybody. Was selected in St. Nicholas' Day, and his authority lasted till Childer's Mass. These are all Roman Catholic days or Holy Innocence Days. Santa Claus of today is still keeps alive the tradition of the boy bishop and the abbot of unreason. And that was Santa Claus was St. Nicholas. He was a 4th century Roman Catholic bishop. Misrule called forth constant protest. Uh, pseudo, pseudo-og condemns the dances which afterwards became a recognized feature of the feast of fools. You had to be a fool to be willing to be the lord of the misrule, and he had to wear a tall white pointed hat, and that's the dunce hat. That actually is the fish's mouth closed. The fish's mouth open is like so, and that's what the pope wears. And that's the that's the day of the fish. Anyway, that'll be enough of that. I want to get back to what I've been teaching. I don't believe in any of the holidays. I don't believe in... The only thing I believe in is spiritual day of atonement, spiritual Passover, and spiritual Pentecost because we are spiritual Israel. I don't know how people can't see that. Anyway, I've been talking about resurrection. Uh, last Sunday was what America calls Easter or Resurrection Sunday. Jesus was not celebrated once a year in the ancient world for resurrecting. He was celebrated every first day of the week because that's the day that he resurrected from the dead. And I'm talking about there's been a confusion of resurrection. Resurrection, the common word in the Bible, resurrection, is anastasis. And that word means to come to life. 
after dying. Now we've been talking about anastasis. That cannot be the resurrection of Jesus because it is feminine gender. Being feminine is talking about after we die daily. Paul said, I die daily. And Jesus said, if any man want to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. Take up cross and follow me. Now this is not an invitation hymn. Deny, take, follow. They are all imperative moods. That is a command. Just as much as if Jesus come to us and said, Deny, take, follow. Come here. And that means it's a command just as much as he said, Let there be light. And there was light. So when he tells his elect, Deny, take, follow. Everyone that belongs to Jesus will eventually do that. He may have to scourge you for a lifetime like he did me. And finally you'll wake up one day and say, I'm going to or nail my up or nail my. Or nail my is the Greek word deny. Op or nail my means to completely deny self. That means daily daily take up is the word arrow a-i-r-o it means to lift up in the air but the thing about this cross you had to be condemned to a cross in the first century so we have to be condemned to death when we're condemned to death by people that associate with us you have to understand what death means thanos or thanatos And that means separation. People will separate from you when you tell them God does not love everybody and Christmas is pagan and predestination is true and God loved Jacob and hated Esau before they were born for either one had done any good or evil. You tell people those four things and they will put you to death by separating from you. Have you noticed that when you talk to people about these truths, They don't want to be around you anymore. You're not your mother, not your brothers, not your sister. If they do not belong to God, they don't want to be around you. Now, this, I want to say again, the gospel is the resurrection. The gospel is the resurrection. The Bible says so. Gospel is resurrection but it's not just talking about the resurrection of jesus it's talking about when we die daily take your cross daily paul said i die daily it's the resurrection anastasis of the believer and i want to show you some more about that this might take me some time it's the resurrection of the believer Resurrection of Christ in us. How does that come about? You tell somebody about these things. God does not love everybody. He loved Jacob and hated Esau before either one were born. Inevitably, somebody's going to say, I think he loves everybody. 
will say, well, the Bible says in Romans 9, starting in verse 11, that he loved Jacob and hated Esau, and neither one had done any good or evil. And this was before they were born. He hated Esau before he was even born from his mother, Rachel. Or, or Rebecca, excuse me. It, it, he was hated. And that's the truth. Now, I want you to go back with me over here to, there's, I'm going to, this is kind of a follow-up to the message I did the other day. We've been talking about Jeremiah and how he was hated. And Jeremiah preached to the people because they'd gone after Baal which is the fire god. This is what Christmas is about and the grove. Grove of the tree goddess. That was the Christmas tree. Well, anybody likes it or not, you can find that in Jeremiah 10. And Isaiah 44 particularly. Isaiah 44. And everywhere you see the grove, and God says he's displeased when Israel goes after the grove. Everywhere they're going after Baal, which was the sun god the sun god and this was the tree goddess and all idolatry in the world comes out of babylon the bible says so that babylon revelation 17 and 5 babylon was the mother of harlots the word harlot is the word porne p-o-r-n-e when you look at porne it means idolatry and what it means Idolatry is the word E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A. It comes from two words, ido, meaning to see or perceive, to see, and matruo. It means to serve what you put into your eyes and ears, what you see. E-U-O. To serve, latruo, what you see. And that's idolatry, and it was founded on self. Babylon was built in Genesis 11.4 upon these words, let us make us a name. Let us make us a name. Name is the word Shem. means authority. They didn't like Shem, the second born son of Noah ruling them. So we said we'll make up our own Shem, our own authority, and it means authority. Now, I want to take you back over here and see if I can't straighten some things out for you. Look over here in Mark, the first chapter. I'm building this whole teaching upon two verses. Two verses. Go over here to Mark, the first chapter. And we're going to define gospel. The Bible says the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15 Paul said, I declare unto you the gospel, how that Christ died and was resurrected. He's died and he was buried and resurrected again the third day. Notice third day, not fourth day. He was resurrected on on the third day. He didn't spend full three days and three nights in a tomb. If he had have, he would have risen on the fourth day if it was a fraction of a second into the fourth day. If he spent the entire 
72 hours in the tomb, it had risen somewhere a millisecond into the fourth day. Now, not going to go into that anymore. Now, here in Mark, the first chapter, let me say something to you so you this might help you. Anytime you're going to, when you're studying the Bible, take one word, one word, and define it everywhere in the Bible that the Bible says it is something. If the Bible says such and such is such and such, and then it says again something else over here is the same thing, it gives you another thing, it's the same thing. And that's what we did with these two verses in in Mark. One, start in verse one. It says, the beginning. And we've already established that the gospel is the resurrection, the beginning of the gospel is prepare ye the way of the Lord make his path straight that word way is the word hados h-o-d-o-s well we know that there's two ways there's a narrow way and there is a broad way and the Lord's way is the narrow way there's a narrow way. This is Matthew seven, thirteen, fourteen. The Bible says that wide is the gate, broad is the way. Broad. That's why we have all these streets in downtown, the big cities of America, Broadway. Because you can live the way you want to. We got one right here in Nashville. You go down there and you got all these beer joints. Got these guys standing out there in the summertime with a guitar strumming them, maybe 15 guys, hoping they'll be discovered. And guys, that's not the way you're discovered. You got to make friends up at the top. That's the only way you get there. And they got all kinds of bars down on Broadway. You got prostitutes down there. You've got pimps down there. You've got you've got drug dealers down there. Everything you can you you've got Nashville on Broadway is a miniature Broadway of New York. You don't want to go walking around downtown at night when you're not with somebody. That's a dangerous place in Nashville. You don't do that. I certainly wouldn't go down on Jefferson Street and take, street and take a stroll at 12 midnight, would you? And no siree. I had a, Mary's got a niece that they pulled up to a light down there late at night, like 1 o'clock in the morning, pulled up to a light and the windows were open on the car and a shotgun came into the side of their car. <laughs> not, not me. I ain't going down to Jefferson Street. No, sir. Not at night. But anyway, that's why they're called Broadway. Because you can live the way you want. Go down there and get whatever you want. If you got the money, you can get it. 
and wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many go in there at many and that's because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and only a few there be that find it the word few is oligos it means a puny number only a few people want to believe that Christmas is pagan, Easter's pagan. It's all the same as Mardi Gras, and only a few people find this way. What I want to do is show you what the Bible says now. So it says here in Mark. Let's just read it together. Mark, the first chapter. Mark 1, and here's what it says beginning of the gospel here it is of jesus christ the son of god as it is written in the prophets now we're going to approach that as it is written in the prophets that's what he says there and his references to isaiah and malachi That's what, it's, that's what he's referencing. Now, as it's written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. That's talking about John the Baptist. This is a, this is a verse that is particularly pointing to him. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. That's John. Prepare ye the way, the hodos of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now, let me give you something else. So that's the beginning of the gospel. Look over here in Luke. Luke, the third chapter. Luke 3. Luke, the third chapter. In Luke 3. Speaking of John the Baptist, in verse 2, Annas and Caiaphas being the high priests, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias. And if you look at Luke, the first chapter, you see that's talking about John the Baptist. His father was Zacharias in the wilderness. And he came all into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. This cannot possibly be water. I said it the other day. Baptized comes from baptizo and bapto. Baptizo means to cover. And baptism means to stain and to die. That's what baptism comes from. It was a household term. Mr. Girdlestone, G-I-R-D, Robert Baker, fantastic theologian, Robert Baker Girdlestone. He's got a book called Synonyms of the Old Testament. Robert Baker Girdlestone says there that baptize had a dual meaning and you could not actually translate it into English. 
And Mr. Strong says, in Strong's Encyclopedias, McClinic and Strong, he says that baptizo was originally a verbal noun. Now, I know what that is. In English, we call that an infinitive. Infinitive comes from comes from the word infinite. And all through the Bible, the Bible constantly talks about the everlasting gospel. What that means, there is no end to the gospel. If the gospel is preparing you the way of the Lord, there's no end to the way. In our lives, it's permanent. And a blood baptism is permanent. It is infinite. It's an infinitive. That's a verbal noun. That means there's a subject here, a person, and the the fluid, the movement is on the part of the fluid. It comes from an outer source. It covers the, the elect of God, and it stains him, and it dyes him. And that stain and dye is permanent. It is infinite. It can never be undone. Permanent. Permanent. It is always. There's no such thing as. We are eternally secure because it's permanent. When he baptizes us with with the blood of Christ, you cannot become unbaptized. It is infinite. That's why it's the everlasting gospel because the gospel is the same thing as baptism. Baptized is not water. Never has been. Men have gotten a hold of that. Water baptism is a proselyte baptism. I've gone through that over and over again. So John comes preaching the baptism of repentance for remission of sin. Remission, I keep saying, is the word aphesis. It's the same word as forgiveness. Means to pardon and release from prison. Prison, fulake, means the division of day and light, or light and darkness. Fulake, P H U L A K E. It means day and night, or light and dark. And that is the same thing as horizo. The horizon is light, and the dark is dark. And you can't see the horizon. And prohorizo is the word to pre-horizon. That is the word predestinate. The ones that God foreknew. He's predetermined for the light. He didn't know everybody. He told those on his left hand. He said, I never knew you. Now, so, the baptism of repentance. Look at verse 4. Chapter 3, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. That's, that's an easy way to say humble. Humble is the word tepanua, T-A-P. 
A-I-N-O-I-N-O-O. Tapanua is the word humble. It means to level mountains and hills. And hills. Level mountains and hills. And Babylon was said to be a destroying mountain. And she was called a proud mountain. Proud mountain. And God said, I'm going to make you a burnt mountain. You see Babylon burning in Revelation, the 8th chapter, the mountain burning with fire. And in Revelation, the 18th chapter, Revelation 18. And she's called these mountains in Jeremiah the proud mountain, the burnt mountain, in Jeremiah 51st chapter. Now, now, there's two things you want to see. Anytime you find the gospel, you find the gospel, let me erase some of this. Anytime you find the gospel, you can substitute blood baptism, because the John came preaching the gospel and he came preaching the baptism of repentance and they both equal the same thing. John came preaching the gospel which was prepare ye the narrow way which is this narrow way it's straight and narrow way that few will find And John came preaching the baptism of repentance, which was prepare ye the way. So anywhere you find, you you find prepare the way, wherever you find it, it is the narrow way, it is the gospel, and it is the baptism of repentance. So anywhere you find gospel, you can just substitute the narrow way, narrow way, or you can substitute uh, baptism, blood baptism. A blood baptism was a death. You can find that in the McClinican Strong under blood at the very end of the article. Now, I've got some things I want to show you. Now, what was it? What was it Mark said was prepare the way? He said, Mark said that the way was mentioned by the prophets. And that's what we want to talk about. And Luke said, prepare the way was a blood baptism mentioned by Isaiah. So let's see if we've got the way mentioned in Isaiah. First of all, go back to go back to Isaiah the fortieth chapter. Isaiah forty. Isaiah forty. Now sometimes this might get a little complicated. I'm going to try to keep it as simple as I can. Isaiah forty and he says here in um, in verse, let's just read from verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith God. Speak ye, 
comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her. Now this is approximately this is approximately seven twelve BC. What is he talking about speaking to Israel comfortably? Because northern Israel, Isaiah preached to northern Israel for fifty years about their about their idol worship going after Bell in the Grove and it was Ahab in northern Israel that brought Bell in the Grove in when he married Jezebel. And her she was from she was from Tyre and Sidon, which was the same thing as Lebanon, right above Israel. And Israel had been carried away into captivity in seven twenty two BC. You can see that in Second Kings the 17th chapter 17 the whole chapter is dedicated to that so when you're in 712 bc you're you're 10 years later israel has northern israel has been leveled by the assyrians so isaiah is saying comfort ye comfort ye my people he's talking about comforting them because isaiah is looking at northern israel and the cities of northern israel have been devastated so that's what he's talking about. Comfort you, comfort you, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. That's in southern Judah. They hadn't been carried away yet. So he's, in a sense, he's saying, warn southern Israel not to get involved in this. And cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And then he says in verse 3, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. This is exactly what Mark, the first chapter, those first two verses is quoting that he calls the gospel. So the gospel is being preached here in Isaiah 40 and 3. If you start preaching, and that's also the baptism that Luke, the third chapter, talks about. So he's talking about these men in the Old Testament preaching the gospel and the baptism in the narrow way. If you start talking about baptism after Isaiah the 40th chapter, you're talking too late. If you start talking about the gospel after the 40th chapter of Isaiah, you're talking too late. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way. This is what's amazing. Here's how you really get something nailed down. That word way is the word direct. But when Mark quotes this directly, he calls it the hados. And that could, and that identifies with the narrow way of Matthew 7, 18, uh, 7, 13, 14. So, so you can actually say the word direct when it's translated into Greek in the Septuagint LXX. Direct was translated hados. It's the narrow way. What is Isaiah talking about here? Well, let me read a little bit further. Prepare you the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. He's talking about when northern Israel has been carried away, 
they were carried away into Assyria. Let me go back over here. If I can find it real quick. Northern Israel was carried away into Assyria. Assyria is north of Israel. It's between Israel and Russia. They were carried away. Northern Israel was carried away. Northern Israel, that's where Israel was split in two nations under, under Solomon because he allowed his wives to keep their 700 wives. He allowed his wife to keep all their gods, their Shemash and Moloch and Ashtaroth. They were carried away by the Assyrians up into this area up here. Russia's right up here. Right, Moscow's right up here, directly north of the between the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea. Here's the Caucasus Mountains. That is the Assyrians up in this area here. They were northern Babylon. So they were carried away up here. So he sang. When you get these decrees to come back, make a highway in the desert for God. Why would he say that? Because they didn't have paved highways. They had to go out and only Rome, when Rome came into into power, did they make these highways in and around Rome. Made them, uh, some of them would be gravel. They'd pave some of them. And they called a, they had the highway into Rome, the main highway. They, they said, you had to, if you went anywhere else in the world, you had to go out and remove the rocks because the rain would come and beat the ground and expose great big rocks. They had to build their highways for something like a big, like a big movement back into Israel. When he says, prepare a highway for our God, that's because northern Israel had been carried away into captivity. And when southern Judah has to come back, they'll have to prepare a highway back. The highways were rough. They weren't small. You didn't have a highway like asphalt like we have. They didn't have something like Main Street out here. They didn't have that. They had to make a highway all the way back. That's another reason they didn't want to go back when these decrees were given by these, by the Cyrus and, and Darius and, and Artaxerxes because they had to build a highway for, for millions of Jews to come back. And they didn't want him to do that much. Let's go back to a land that was a wasteland that that Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed. They didn't want to go over there. Then he says, And the glory and every valley shall be exalted. He's talking about making the highway smooth. And every mountain and hill shall be made low. That's the same thing as humbling. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh, that's red, yellow, white, black, and round flesh, that is a prophecy, red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh, that's all flesh, or all men. So that's a prophecy, I put all, all, all men. That's a prophecy that everyone will see these things. In fact, 
I might run over here to Luke. Look over here. When when Mary was in, she had come to Jerusalem to make an offering of two turtle doves there in verse 24 for her newborn baby Jesus. That's in verse 24 of chapter 2. And she came to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of two, a pair of turtle doves. That's two turtle doves. That's what the Pharisees implemented into their, into their proselyte process. He had to be circumcised. Of course, Jesus was circumcised. And I, her, his mother offered two turtle doves. And the only reason they went to John the Baptist and said, wash me, is because the Pharisees had circumcision, this was their proselyte process, washing in water that they called a new birth, and two turtle doves. And Mary was offering two turtle doves here. And Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. That was the law of God according to Genesis, the 17th chapter. And then he says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout and waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And it came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought him in, the child Jesus, to do for him after the custom of the law to offer two turtle doves. This was after her 40 days being quarantined, which all the women had to do when they had had a baby. Then took, then took he him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy words. For mine eyes have seen the salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people a light to lighten the Gentiles. This is what Isaiah said all through his book. The Gentiles would come to the light and be spiritual Israel. And the glory of thy people Israel. I might read a little more of this and tell you something that happened. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said, Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. I was watching uh, the quiz show uh, with Alex Trebek. What's the name of it? Jeopardy. Jeopardy. And they asked the question. They said, who said... When Mary had her child, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of Israel. And the guy answered, the guy answered, Elizabeth. And Alex Trebek said, that's right. And I sat there and said, no, it was Simeon. And I opened my Bible, read it and said, oh, there was a fix there. It made me believe that perhaps they gave some answers to those guys because the answer was wrong and Alex Trebek said, you're right. <laughs> so it made me think, I wonder if they fixed some of those things. Of 
because he gave the wrong answer and I said he was right. Anyway, so much for that. I don't care if they feed him or not. All right, now let's get back over here. And then he says, when any time connected to this here, this every valley shall be exalted, and when he says in verse 5, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed in all flesh, Red, yellow, black, black, and brown. But that didn't happen until Jesus came. In Acts 2, God poured out of his spirit on all flesh, all of the Gentiles. And the voice said, cry, cry, and said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodness thereof is as a flower of the field. Now, let me give you some more of this about John the Baptist, or about prepare you the way. Look over in Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62. If you're going to look up something, find out everywhere that it's spoken. Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62 and verse 10. 62 and 10. Go through, go through the gates, prepare you the way, the direct, the dose of the people cast up cast up the highway back to Israel that's talking about future when they get those decrees to come back gather out the stones that's because they're going to have to prepare a highway and get the stones out of the middle of the roads when it rains and you're not keeping a highway prepared there's bumps all over it when the rain washes everything away from the stones and the stones stay there and the highways were full of stones because they didn't have a highway department taking care of the highways until Rome came along. But they didn't fix the entire world with highways, just things that led to Rome. All roads lead to Rome. That's it. That's why they, the book has that title, All Roads Lead to Rome, because all highways led to Rome when they were ruling. Now, let me give you something else on this. Look here at Malachi 3. As it's what Mark, the first chapter, says, as it was spoken, prepare you the way of the Lord, as it was spoken by the prophets. That's the way Mark put it. So look at Malachi 3 and 1. 3 and 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the direct, the highway, the hodos, before me, And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. What's the temple of God now? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's to us Gentiles. Whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. And look here in, look here in Malachi, the fourth chapter. Look at verse 4. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb. That's the same thing as Mount Sinai. For all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And notice verse 6. And Elijah, Elijah shall turn the heart of the fathers 
to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Let's see who Elijah is. Go over here to Luke, the first chapter, Luke 1. John the Baptist has been born in verse 15, chapter 1 of Luke. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Holy Ghost is the same word as Holy Spirit. Hagios Numa. Why they Hagios, H-A-G-I-O-S, P-N-A-U-M-A. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, Numa, means breath. Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit, the same words. Hagios Numa. Hagios, pure breath. And that is the Holy Spirit is truth. The Bible says that in John 14, starting in verse 16, John 15 and 26, John 16 and 13. The Bible says when the Spirit comes, he'll guide you into all truth, not half a truth. And 1 John 5 and 7 says the Spirit is the truth. So it's the truth. It's the alethes, a L-E-T-H-E-I-A, which is the word truth. It comes from Lanthano, Lanthano, and the Alpha Privative, which negates the word Lanthano. Lanthano means to hide or conceal. The Alpha Privative negates that, means not to hide anything or conceal anything. Define all of everything. Define all the words. And look in... Luke 1, verse 16, And many of the children of Israel shall return to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John the Baptist, that's what he's saying in verse 6 of chapter 4 of Malachi. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to to the fathers, and so forth. And he says that's John the Baptist here in verse 17 of chapter 1 of Mark. Now, look here in... Look in, in Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Now, all Jews, because the Bible says that there's a man going to come, Elijah's going to come before the end of time. Jesus said he's already come. And so they leave a, if they have Passover, they leave a vacant chair just in case Elijah shows up. All Jews do that at Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of Engathering. So they got an empty chair there for Elijah. And Jesus tells you what that's talking about in Malachi 4. He says here, in the 17th chapter, this is after he's revealed, after He's transfigured and his face shines and Moses and Elijah show up with him. 
And then down here in verse 9 of chapter 17. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciple asked him, saying, When they... when." Why then say the scribes that Elijah must first come? Because that's what Malachi said in the third chapter and the fourth chapter. And that's what Isaiah said in the 40th chapter, verse 3. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elijah is come already. And they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. The word listed is the word thalo, meaning will. They cut John the Baptist's head off. So shall the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. He was Elijah. He had the spirit of Elijah in the flesh, and he gave his life to preach these words now. So we've been talking about, go back over here to Mark, or to Matthew, the third chapter. I want to verify who this man is. Matthew, the third chapter. We're getting this thing nailed down. Matthew 3, verse 3. This is where John the Baptist is baptizing. And in those days, look at verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness. That's John the Baptist. Prepare ye the hodos, the narrow way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And the same John had a raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then he's standing out there and telling Israel, repent. They have never repented of their son in tree worship in the Old Testament. And they've come back from their captivity, and they're still unrepentant. And... That's where he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I. Verse 11, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost, with Holy Numa, Hagios Numa, with the truth and fire. That's why I say Jesus goes into the wilderness in the next chapter. He's tempted the devil and told by the devil, fall down and worship me. I'll give you the fortunes of the world. That's the meaning of the word demon, demonion, D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. It means to distribute fortunes. That's in Matthew 4 and in Luke 4. Satan tempts Jesus. That's Luke's account. Fall down and worship me. I'll give you the fortunes of the world. 
Now, we've gone through these things. I wanted to see who John the Baptist was. Look at Matthew 11. Matthew 11. The Bible says there was never a greater than John the Baptist. Look at verse verse 11. Verily I send you among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The least in the kingdom are those like little children, according to Matthew 18. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And the violent, when people say it's easy to be a believer, it's not easy. The violent, the biastes, it's a biazo, one that takes takes the kingdom by force. The word force is harpazo, H-A-R-P-A-Z-O. It means exactly that. You force yourself to take the kingdom. The kingdom of God is in you. That's what Luke the 17th chapter says. And it suffers violence. Biastes, B-I-A-S-T-E-S. B-I-A-S. T-E-S. Remember Biazo, B-I-A-Z-O? That's a word used in Second Peter when the Bible speaks of uh, these people that are add these things to their faith. They they make their calling and election sure. Biazo. They stabilize it. This has to do with stabilizing, with energetic enforcer. You force yourself to do right. The inner man tells the outer man, you have to die. And you force yourself to do that. You don't do that easily. It doesn't happen easy. Now, let me show you something else about it. So we have come up and said the gospel is... If the beginning of the gospel is prepare you the narrow way. The beginning of the baptism, John came preaching the baptism of repentance, which is prepared the way. Baptism of repentance is the same thing as the gospel. Same thing. Both of them equal to prepare you the way. I said it the other day. There's an axiom in algebra. Things that are equal to the same thing are equal to each other. That's the first week of algebra you learn that axiom. First week. So if if the beginning of the gospel is prepared the way, and the baptism of repentance, which is a blood baptism, that's a death. And the gospel is a death because it's the resurrection after dying. Resurrection. So they're both equal to dying. Now, I want you to look at Romans 1. I have said this to you. Anytime something says... This is this. This here is equals this over here. That's what this verse says in Romans 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, 
for it is. So the gospel is what I'm fixing to say to you. Romans 1, verse 16. It is the power. The gospel is the power of God. Gospel is the power unto salvation. Let me put it this way. Gospel, in this case, equals power. Power is the word dunamis, D-U-N-A-M-I-S. Sometimes there'll be different words for the same Greek word. Look over in Mark. In Mark 9, here's a word. There's a man preaching. And the apostles are upset because he's preaching. But he's evidently preaching the same thing they're preaching. Preaching the same thing. Mark 9. In verse 22. No, that's not the one. Yeah, in... Mark 9, verse 38. And John answered Jesus, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils. Now they're saying casting out devils, and they probably don't know what they're talking about. Because Jesus tells us casting out devils is the same thing. Cast out devils. Is the same thing as Jesus writing upon fleshy tables of our hearts. If I cast out devils in Luke 11, if I cast out devils by the with the finger of God, finger of God, then the kingdom is coming to you. The kingdom of God was a term for Israel. How people can believe that we're not spiritual Israel, I do not understand that. Israel. Israel is coming to us, the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God was an ancient term for Israel. They dropped the word God, the rabbis did, about 200 B.C. and replaced it with kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God are the same thing. You look that up in McClinic and Strong, they'll say it's the same thing. Just look up heavens. The, the kingdom of God is coming to you. Well, kingdom of Israel, and then the Bible says in Matthew 12, if I were the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the truth. If I were the Spirit cast out devils, Then the kingdom of God is coming to you. Kingdom of God. Of God is coming to you. In the Luke, the 17th chapter, the Pharisees come to Jesus and say, Are you going to restore the kingdom? What they meant by that, only southern Judah was back from the captivity at that time. Northern Israel was called the ten lost tribes. And Jesus said, 
to them. The kingdom of God is in you. What is that? Kingdom of God is in you. In you. That's Colossians 1.27. Colossians 1.27. The kingdom of God is in you when when Jesus casts out devils by his spirit, by the truth. Well, how does truth get in you? He writes upon fleshy tables of our hearts instead of on tables of stone. And one of those handwritings we brought it out in Colossians 2.14. It wasn't the one written on fleshy tables of our heart. If I don't, if I don't watch that, I'm going to wander away from my subject. And then he says here, and they said, Master, this is verse 38 of chapter 9 of of Mark. Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name. But casting out devils has to be men being converted. He he followeth not us, and we forbade him because he followed not us. And Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which can do a miracle. The amazing thing is that word miracle is not what we call a miracle. The word is dunamis. Jesus said he is preaching the gospel because the Bible says, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the dunamis, the gospel of Christ. It is the dunamis unto salvation. Jesus is saying, this guy is preaching the gospel. Don't forbid him in my name that who can lightly speak evil of me. He said, for he that is not against us is on our part. Now, what I did, when you want to study a word, here's what you do. You take a word like gospel. This is what I did last night. I've done this so many times I can't count on studying the Bible. I take my concordance and make a copy of the word gospel all the time it's mentioned. Then I start through the scripture and I look at all these things that says gospel in it. And I want to see what it does, what it produces, And what is its result? And when you look at all the words around the word, it'll tell you what it is, what it does, and what it produces. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go through some of these words. Then he says here, in Romans 10, I go through Paul's writings. I didn't go through all the Gospels. Through the uh, through the first four books through the through the uh, life of Christ Matthew Mark Luke and John usually every time Matthew Mark Luke and John says something about the gospel it says the everlasting gospel the reason it's everlasting because it's the baptism and baptism is permanent it's infinite it's an infinitive. And that means it's never undone. 
Once God baptizes with the blood of Christ, we sing, Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Most people don't have any idea what that means. It means, are you dying daily? To be blood baptized, and you don't start doing that young as a believer. You get stronger and stronger as the years go by. I'm not afraid of anybody. No preacher. I'm not afraid of a Ph.D. in the Bible. I'm not scared of those guys. They don't really know a lot. They don't know as much as you think in seminaries. They teach a lot of error in seminaries. John MacArthur teaches a lot of error, especially on Christmas and baptizing and crackers and grape juice and rapture and all of that. Millennium. He doesn't know nothing about it. Now, let's look at Romans 10. This is the first time this is Gospels mentioned by Paul. Romans 10. I'm just going to go through some of these things so you can see it. This is how I study. This is everywhere the gospel is reached. It's my printing. So I took it and wrote down things just for my notes so I can see what he's talking about. Look at Romans 10. Acts Romans 10. And look here at verse 15 and 16. Romans 10, verse 15 and 16. And how shall they... This is how people... People say, why would you preach if you believe in predestination? We're predestined to conform to Christ's image. Predestinate is the word prohorizo. And it is an action verb. Every action verb has to have a noun, a noun that receives the action. If I said, Jim, through. That's a very incomplete sentence. Through is an action verb. Throw, run, jump, crawl, speak, say, those are action verbs. There has to be a, a recipient. There has to be a noun that receives the action. What receives the action is to be conformed. That doesn't look like a noun, but it is. It's also an infinitive It's a verbal noun. Verbal noun. The action comes from somewhere else. The action that causes us to conform is affliction, persecution, tribulation, fire, trials. And that will happen over years to cause you to be. To be means to exist. Conformed. Well, how long does it take you to start conforming to Christ's likeness? To be conformed to His image. E-I-K-O-N. His likeness. It takes years. I mean, I was seeking self all through my... When I was a young preacher in my 20s, 
21, 22 is when I started preaching. And all through my 20s, I wanted to be a famous preacher. Then I got into the music world, and I wanted to be a famous tenor singer. Boy, I had a great tenor voice when I was young. Man, I could knock the walls out with a high D above high C and sustain it for 15 seconds, which very few tenor singers could do that. And I thought, boy, I'm really good. People need to hear me do this. And God, and then I got out in the music world and I wanted to be rich. And the music world is corrupt to the core. You've got to make friends at the top. You've got to compromise all the way. Glenn Campbell had a song out. I bought an album of his because I like to sing it. It's called Like a Rhinestone Cowboy. I'm going to be like a star in a rodeo, and every eyes are going to be on me. It's all about me. That's a corrupt song. <laughs> Talk about corrupt. Every, every eye is going to be shining on me like a rhinestone cowboy riding out on a horse in a star-spangled rodeo like a rhinestone cowboy. The lights are going to be on me. We talk about evil. Glenn, wherever you are, he's dead now. Most people say they never even heard of him. You ask a young person, 20, you ever heard of Glenn Campbell? And they say, I never heard of him. He was one of the most famous people in America in 1970. Everybody in every house knew him. Because he had a TV show on there every week. Had hits all over the radio. And Rhinestone Cowboy is one of the most evil songs I've ever heard. Wicked. And the lights are shining on me. I'm going to be where the lights are shining on me, like a rhinestone cowboy. Just a stupid song. Whoever wrote that has rocks in their head. All right, now let's get back to this. All right. To be conformed to the likeness of Christ, not to the likeness of self, and that's an infinitive. So, Prohorizo, that's what predestination is about. God putting us through fire, trials, persecution, tribulation to conform us to the image, the likeness of Jesus. He was a man of sorrows unacquainted with grief. We have to be sorrowful and acquainted with grief when we look at the world the way they are and most of the world are vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. The Bible says so. Most people in the world are going to hell. You can say that out loud, put it on a t-shirt like I've got it, and a woman looked at it and said, what do you mean most people are going to hell when they die? I said, I didn't say that. Jesus said that. You act like you're bad at me. She said, and I said, the Bible says straight is the gate and there is the way that leads to eternal life. And few there be that find it. She said, why don't you put that on your shirt instead? I said, it is on the back. I said, most people, few people are going to heaven when they die. Most people are going to hell in front they die on the front of it. And boy, she was mad at me. I said, you act like I said. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. People are funny when they really. One guy had uh, uh, the wicked prosper in the world. The wicked prosper in the world in creatures and riches. Psalm seventy three twelve. And the guy looked at that and said, "Whoa." God wants us to have things and stuff and money. And I said, why are you whining at me? Didn't you read down there? That's what David said, Psalm seventy-three, twelve. I didn't say that. He said it. Whine at David when you read the Bible. <laughs> People are funny, aren't they? You quote the Bible before, but I don't believe that. It's because you're dumb. You might be stupid. Stupid by our means. 
You're dull of hearing. You cannot understand. You have the understanding of a brute beast. All right. Now, let's go over here to, I read 15, 16, didn't I? 15, 16 of, of um, Romans 10. 15. Now, they, how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. Peace is the word irene. It's not peaceful who people are not vessels of mercy. E-I-R-E-N-E means to gather together into one. We're like one family that believed the truth. And the gospel is the blood baptism. And the blood baptism makes you die to self. And when you're mature in the faith, and everybody's mature in the faith, which most people are not, but if you get a bunch of people together that's mature in the faith, they get very agreeable and they don't even fight each other. So it's a gospel of peace. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Who hath believed our report? Few! And who, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now go over here to Romans 15. This is a verse that sometimes I don't read because I think people think I'm talking about them, and I, I guess I would be because we've had people leave here, go down the street, start their own church, start their own TV, steal from me, lie about me, lie about this church. And start down the street. Had someone, had a few people left years ago, went up to Gallatin, started a Bible class up there. It lasted about a month and then broke up. We've had people go two, two blocks down the street and rent a building. They can't keep it up because they want to go on TV all of a sudden and get rich all of a sudden. We didn't move into this building until after we were preaching in my basement for about 12 to 13 years. I didn't start getting a salary till I had been preaching in this ministry for 19 years. I didn't draw a salary. If you go too fast, guys, I don't mind your preaching, but let's read this here, 15 and 20. Well, let me read verse 18 down to 20. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word or deed through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jesus, from Jerusalem and round about unto Elicrium, Elicrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, and so have I strived to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. We would guys leave here to build up on this foundation here, try to get people to leave here and come to their ministry a few blocks away. That's building on another man's foundation talks about a reality in the first century a guy would go out and dig a foundation he'd find some rocks that made a good foundation and he wouldn't be able to be a house and some other guy would come along and build on that foundation and that's what the bible's talking about but as it is written to whom it was spoken of they shall see and they shall have not heard shall understand he's saying you're not supposed to build 
He said, if you're going to build, go where Christ has not been named so it can be something new. We're on TV. We're on the Internet. We get letters from all over the country. You can't just start a ministry all of a sudden and say, I'm going on TV and going on the Internet, and I'm going to have all this cost. It doesn't work that way, guys. But let me read in, you read verse 29. And I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. So now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Strive agonizomai. Or soon agonizomai means to strive with or wrestle with. Then look here at at First uh, Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians one. This is something that most people don't have any idea what it's talking about. One in verse sixteen, and I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Well, let me back up a little. I got to back up. Back up to 12. Now, this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. Why would he say that? Would he say that I'm thankful I didn't blood baptize you? No, he wouldn't say that. The word I baptized is one word in the Greek. It's the word e baptizo. The e is an augment. It means I did the baptizing, not the Holy Spirit. He's talking about water here. Why is he talking about water? Because he was a Pharisee, according to the third chapter of Philippians. He's a Pharisee. Look at Philippians. Philippians. He's talking about water here because he was in Philippians, the third chapter. He says, he was talking about his accolades as a man, if he bragged the way men do. Verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I've got more than you do. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching a law, a Pharisee. If he was a Pharisee, he believed in Halakha. The Halakha was the verbal law of the Pharisees when they were carried away captive into Babylon, they started, they translated the law, the 613 laws in the Torah, which was, which was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible. The 13 laws they translated over into the Babylonian Aramaic, and they started with the Halakha, which was their verbal law, they said had more power Halakha, 
They said it was stronger than the written law that Moses had, and said that was revealed to Paul, or revealed to, excuse me, revealed to Moses on the mountain when he was upon the mountain. And Jesus said that's not true. None of that's true. So Paul said, he says in Galatians the first chapter, I was more zealous of the traditions of my fathers, traditions were paradosis, P-A-R-A-D-O-S-I-S, and the paradosis was the 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 traditionary law of Moses. That's not true. The traditionary law was the halakal that they said by tradition was passed down from one generation to the next, and the the presiding head rabbi would add his opinion to what that meant. So Paul said, I was zealous of that tradition. One of their traditions was the proselyte baptism, circumcision, washing water. So Paul said, I did that in two turtle doves at the temple. And that's what the 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 rabbis of the Babylon synagogue set up in their halakha to become a member of the kingdom of God or a member of Israel. And Paul said, I thank God I baptized no more than I did. And then he says the, the, the really amazing thing. He says, he said, I was a rabbi. I was a Pharisee. And I was more zealous of these traditions of my father. And I'm thankful I didn't baptize any more of you in water than I did. And then he says, after he says that, lest I should say that I baptize in my own name. And I baptize also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. I baptize each time as e-baptizo. I did the baptizing. The Holy Spirit didn't do the baptizing with blood from an outer source. That's what he's saying. For Christ sent me not to baptize in water, but to preach the gospel, which is the blood baptism. We've already established that. The blood baptism was preparing the way, and the gospel is preparing the way. So he says, but to preach the gospel, which is a blood baptism, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made none effect. None effect is the word kenua. K-E-N-O-O means empty, no reputation. K-E-N-O-O means the, it will be an empty gospel. He said it would be worth nothing if I preach with wisdom of words like Hank Hanegraaff, like, uh, what's his name down in Florida that died, uh, can never think of his name. R.C. Sproul. He'd use a big word every other sentence or one every sentence and you didn't have any idea what he was talking about. Truck drivers and clerks at grocery stores cannot listen to R.C. Sproul or Hank Hanegraaff. Hank Hanegraaff will use ontological every, about every three or four times. The ontological God, why don't you just say 
the God, the being God, means the same thing. The ontological God. Nobody knows what that means. Hank, don't you know that? I use a lot of big words that are Greek, but I explain every one of them. But that's because the New Testament was written in Greek, and those were not fancy words in the first century. They were street words. Good grief. Now, let's go over here at 9 and 12. 9 chapter 1 Corinthians, verse 12. I'm, the way you really study a word, get every time it's mentioned in the Scripture, and I'll tell you what it's about, 9 and 12. Now, uh, here in, he's talking about, you don't muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn, in verse 9. He says in verse 8, you don't go to, you don't have to buy your own weapon if you go to war, if you go to warfare, do you, who goes to warfare at any time in his own charge, you have to buy your own sword? No. The government has to supply that to you. And if you plant a vineyard, can you not eat the fruit of that vineyard? Or who feeds a flock and you don't eat of the milk of the flock? He's saying, I'm the preacher. You're supposed to support me with your tithes. And he says that right here. People say the tithe is not in the New Testament. Certainly it is. He says, you don't muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads the corn. An ox is hooked to a a collar, and he goes around in a circle and is treading out the corn, and the corn is falling at his feet. And the Bible says, let him eat all he wants to eat if he's treading the corn. You don't put a muzzle on him. Or saith he that altogether for our sakes, for our sakes, no doubt, this is verse 10, this is written that plough, he that plough should plough in hope. I'm plowing out here in hope, preaching to all the churches of Asia that I can get to, and in Greece. If we have sown unto you spiritual things while I'm preaching to you, is it a great thing that we should reap your carnal? Carnal is the word sarkikos. It means comes from the word flesh, S-A-R-K-I-K-O-S. It comes from the word sarks, which is the word flesh. Sarkikos means carnal. Nothing wrong with the word carnal. It takes carnal things for Paul to live. It takes money to run this ministry to pay a $12,000 a month TV bill. To brought, oh, turn these lights on. We've got five full-time people. If God deals with your heart, you should support the ministry if you believe in it. We don't ask for money. We do accept your offerings and your tithes. And then he says, If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Power is the word exousia. I'm not going to finish this thing up because I've got so many of these verses to go. He said, I'm not going to partake of this exousia over you. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they wait. They that wait on the altar are partakers of the altar. That's in Numbers 18 and 5. The, the, the Levites ate of the altar, partook of the altar, and they said, even so, 
hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel, they preach the baptism of repentance, the blood baptism, the death to self, the daily cross, they should live of this daily cross and this gospel they preach. You should support the ministry that tells you the truth. Let a man communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things in Galatians, the sixth chapter. I've got so many more of these things to read. And he says in verse 12, we don't want to hinder the gospel of Christ by demanding. He sent this to Corinth because they were a bunch of lazy bums. It was Philippi they had to get to support the ministry at, at Corinth. Corinth was a bunch of baby believers that were lazy and fighting with each other. That's a church most people wouldn't go to if they lived in the first century. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. But they have used, we've used none of these things, neither have written these things, that it should be done unto me, for it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void. It would make it void if I demanded of you. And then he says, I give the gospel without charge. On later here, and I'm out of time. I'll come back to this. I want you to see what the gospel actually is. It's more than what people, it's dying. I hear preachers preach about, you've got to preach the gospel. What is it? It has an exact meaning. It's a blood baptism. It's death to self. It is prepare you the narrow way. It's going through all of this. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for your truth. I don't know how to get through all of these things. Just help us. Strengthen the sheep. Let them understand that they have to undergo a blood baptism and force themselves to behave. That's what the true gospel is. Force that outer man to die that wants everything he wants when he's young. And God will give you praise for everything. Strengthen the sheep. Fight our battles in Christ's name. Amen. Boy, I didn't even hardly get started on this. This is a lot to this. Just take the word gospel and take your concordance. Get every time it's mentioned. Look at everything it's associated with and everything that it does and everything that is and everything that it produces and every word that's connected to it. And you'll see the Bible in a different light. <laughs>